Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to Uncut Sports Talk, featuring your host, Rhino, Brian Cashman. I've known for a long time that you have no clue about baseball, and you literally go into a little room that's set up Moneyball style. You got four-eyed Bill in there, reading off algorithms about players' talents, successes, whatever you guys punch into those things, you know, skills. But for Christ's sake, can you move away from the computer one time and let me enlighten you on something? We won 100 fucking games in the regular season last year. 100. We got our kits absolutely blown off in the postseason. And let me enlighten you on something else. Judge Plain and your co-host, Paz. The NFL is a joke. Um... The players, I feel bad for the players, honestly. Like, there's a lot of guys that probably, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on that New Orleans team that, you know, are, are the 53rd man on that roster. And that extra $75,000 that they would have gotten for going to the Super Bowl, um, you know, in terms of the playoff checks, is probably a huge deal to them. I feel really bad for those guys. Um, I don't really give a shit about the, the, the top guys as much, obviously. But, I mean, like, lives are changed. Careers are changed. Um, you know, even the coaches, too. Same thing. Like, there's a lot of those ancillary coaches that if they get their you know their their offensive line to the Super Bowl maybe they're up for a you know a, a an offensive coordinator got a job somewhere or you know something like that it's it, it's it's just a, a a snowball that starts at the top of the mountain and just completely continues gathering momentum gathering growth until it it hits the bottom guys and unfortunately those are the guys that suffer what's going on everyone welcome back Uncut Sports Talk featuring Rhino and Friends. A little bit of a hi- hiatus for us. Drowning our sorrows in R.J. Barrett breaking free throws and Coach K going down as probably the biggest loss in the history of Duke basketball in his career. Uh, embarrassing. Need to take this team elsewhere. Neither here nor there. NHL playoffs on the horizon. I have quite the crew with me. First, my co-host, Paz, and I also have two former guest co-hosts or previous co-hosts or whatever you want to call them, current co-hosts that hop on, Chris and Sonny with me. Chris, our NHL fantasy hockey champion. Sonny, you've heard him on here 8, 10, 15 times, hockey guru. What's going on tonight to all my guys? How we doing, Not fellas? Much, man. Ready to talk yeah. some hockey? Same here. Everything is going well over here in Pittsburgh. Getting ready for a big game one tomorrow. Pretty excited. It's always a fun time of year here in the city with uh, with the playoffs. Uh, how's it going over there, Rhino? Things are going good, man. Uh, interesting week. I exchanged a funny story on here two, three weeks ago. With uh, with pause, and I'll, I'll exchange one here without giving out a ton of detail. I collaborated with a company uh, or a university, a college recently, and um, started over there this week. <clears throat> so today uh, we're it's a campus uh, much improved. It's 
community college, but also has some uh, core or not correlation, some uh, uh, joint chip with a university has grown a lot since I've been there. I took classes there when I was a senior in high school, took two psych classes, which I think I took a psych class and a math class. Uh, at that time, there was five buildings. They actually have 20, no, 31 buildings now, if you include the uh, gym and the uh, fitness center, which is really unbelievable and fascinating to go from, like I said, I believe seven to nine to uh, 31 now, or if you want to call it just academia, 29. So um, there's myself and there is uh, another hire uh, for a different field in the library. And we're kind of walking across campus here with a with a doctor uh, at a pretty high level, uh, a dean and a, a department chair of the of the university. And uh, a little bit nippy outside today uh, it was a, a balmy 77 on Monday. Not so much today. Um, supposed to be heading towards lunch in a conversation about how to uh, review transcripts, um, how they want us to work with certain students. So walking across campus, I'd say there's about 10 to 13 uh, other students around the grass, a couple playing volleyball. I don't know why, so way, so, way too cold. Uh, some are at the uh, you know, little rec center there, the little student success center. And uh, she's, like I said, she starts speaking about transcripts and, and how uh, which students are reviewed and which, which are called at risk, in which mid-conversation, while still talking, rips a fart. And I'm not talking a you know, a, like, you know, something like that. I'm talking to the point where these three guys that are over here playing volleyball and spiking actually hear the fart because it's so loud that they actually stop mid game for the fart. Now the, I'm going to, I'm going to say like, they're like at a, at a, a like a, a, a second base to first base throw distance. I'm like, like hip to hip at this time for this fart. Right. So, but the conversation doesn't stop conversation continues to go. I was concerned that there might've been a rip of the pants. I thought it was a, a possible explosion, maybe a little bit of a fire, like straight through. Like I was waiting for the hole, a possible trail. I mean, I thought, I thought we were in some serious trouble. I thought I was about to climb through some um, serious waters very quickly, but there was no, excuse me. There was no, no laugh. It was almost like to the first time in my career, I learned what a professional fart is. It's going to be my new, possible new go-to. It's, called the, it's going to be called the professional fart, which is a serious convo, mid-convo, no exchange, no emotion, no body language change. It's a new term. Hopefully it goes viral. The professional fart. My week's going with the department chair, giving me my first experience of professional fart. I love that. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's just great yeah, stuff right there. Great, yeah. great stuff. You know, I mean, can't make this stuff up, guys. Can't make this stuff up. All right. To the NHL. Starting at the top. Go to the East. Tampa Bay Lightning. Columbus Blue Jackets. Um. Lightning via steamrolling, flattening foes en route to 62 wins, tying the 1995-1996 Detroit Red Wings for most all-time in a single season. 
The Lightning finished with, oh, actually, just real quickly, 6573831692 if you want to weigh in, opinions, thoughts, whatever on the NHL playoffs. We're going to go through all of the first-round games with a pretty heavy analysis, uh, and each of us are going to do a bracket. We're obviously not going to go around the second-round games because a lot of people have them different, and how can you preview them? And then we'll give out our Stanley Cup champs. So all the first-round games, you could give out your, you know, who's going to win the Stanley Cup and their opponent, but uh, lengthy first round, Stanley Cup winner, and that's kind of how we're going to go here. I, I should have gave the recap earlier. Anyway, Lightning finished with also a gold differential, a plus 103, second highest mark in the past 20 years. Their 3.96 goals per game is the highest in the NHL since 95-96. I'm going to butcher so many names, so whatever. It's, it is what it is. I'm the host here, putting my ego to rest and giving it to the guys who actually know hockey more than me, but hey. I'll butcher them. I'll take the heat. I don't mind. Winger Nikita Kucherov has a NHL best 128 points, putting him in the driver's seat for the Hart Trophy. Kucherov, 41 goals. Stamkos, 45 and point 41. All had 40 goals. The first team to have three such players since 95-96 Penguins. The Blue Jackets arrive in a pool of their own sweat and fingernails chewed to the bone. It took 81 games for the Jackets to clinch a playoff spot despite GM, not even going to try, making the biggest trade deadline splash by dealing for Ottawa Senators forwards Matt Duchesne and Ryan Dezingle while hanging on to his own pending free agents and forwards Panarin and goalie Bobrovsky. Columbus was 35-23-3 on the day of the trade deadline. The Jackets went 12-8-1 after that, but it was good enough to earn the last wild card and a date with the juggernaut. I'll do, like, first line, defense, goaltending, uh, maybe a little bit of hell, something like that. Uh, first line, Blue Jackets line of Panarin, Pierre, Dubois, and Cam Atkinson account for the top three scores on the team. They had a goals for percentage of 56.82 and a five-on-five five percentage. The Lightning can serve some line salad game to game, but there's been one constant. Kucherov and Point working together, mostly with Tyler Johnson and Yanni Gordy, uh, 48 points. With Johnson, they had a goals percentage of 59.32, so even better than that, 56.82. Defense, Tampa Bay is anchored by Victor Hedman the reigning Norris Trophy winner who skates 22 minutes and 46 seconds per game and plays with <laughs> uh, Sergachev, Girardi, McDonough. Plays 22.05 per game, skating mostly with Eric Cernak. Uh, Strawman round out the group. The Jackets pair their two best defensemen in Seth Jones and Rinsky. David Savard, uh, this is just insanity. I'm not going through all this. Um, they miss Ryan Murray with an upper body injury. Goaltending, uh, Vasilevsky is for Tampa Bay, Bobrovsky for uh, Winnipeg. Uh, Health-wise, the Jackets are still without Murray, who missed 24 games with upper body injury. Tampa has a few players banged up late in the season, including Ryan Callahan and Hedman, but both were announced to be at full strength today. Uh, and just special teams, Lightning had a power play percentage of 28.1%, which is the highest in NHL history for an 82-game season. They were tied with the Blue Jackets atop the league on the penalty kill at 85%. The Jackets' power play was 28th at 15.4%. Sonny, analysis and pick, Columbus, Tampa Bay. Is Sonny alive? Maybe he's on mute. Chris, yeah, take yeah, it first. I'm here. Oh, there he is. All right, go ahead. 
All right. Uh, thank you for all the stats there. You were very accurate on that, even maybe not the last names, but we'll get there. Um, for those of you who are still listening from the beginning, um, I I said Tampa was going to just continue to cruise through the entire season, and they did that by just, I mean, just half the season wasn't even – it was like a joke watching them play some of these teams. It's like some of the teams weren't even the NHL. Um, obviously, I'm picking Tampa here in this series. Uh, they dominated Columbus in the regular season 3 nothing. Um, Tampa obviously has home ice as they were the president trophy winners. Um, Tampa has to be the deepest lineup that I've seen anyway in the last probably decade on offense and defense. Um, Tampa's got way more experience. And like you said, their special teams, they finished first in power play and first in the penalty kill, which is just absurd. Uh, they, they've got leadership up and down their lineup. I mean, they have, Stamkos, that uh, runs the forwards pretty much. Um, as you said, Hedman, the Norris Trophy winner. And they have the Rangers' previous captain, Ryan, uh, Ryan McDonough, who is in the running for the Norris Trophy. Um, the Jackets at the deadline, adding, you know, Dezingo and Duchesne, that's – I mean, those are very good moves. But I said it like the day after the deadline that they definitely needed to add some kind of defensive depth if they were obviously – giving up their future picks um, to make this run. Um, the goaltending, I'm definitely giving the edge to Tampa Bay. Uh, Vasilevsky is, was lights out all season. Probosky is a very good goaltender, but um, he's easily overwhelmed. Uh, when you start peppering him with shots and, if you know, if you go up, you know, 2 nothing early, um, he also doesn't have a good playoff goals against average. I think they said it was around 3.5, 3.6, which is – very high considering you're playing Tampa Bay. Um, I think Tampa wins this series. I mean, I think they sweep the series. Maybe their offense goes cold for a game and they, you know, they drop one. But um, I think they they take care of the, the Columbus Blue Jackets no problem. What do you think, Chris? Real quickly, just so we're going to do first round points. You get three for the win and you get three points if you get the exact game right. Second round, six, conference, 12, Stanley Cup champs, you get 24. So if you get that, uh, it's almost like a bonus. So pick your uh, amount of games Tampa wins in also. Uh, Tampa and five. So right off the bat, I am right with you, Tampa and five. I, to me, um, this Columbus Blue Jackets team is lucky to even be here. Uh, they, they really – went through the ringer the whole season with the way they played and just everything that's gone on with Panarin and Bob Roski being benched and, and um, Tortorella just being the world's biggest fuckhead douchebag that, that is standing behind a bench uh, today in hockey. But I think that the lightning just, like you said, plowed through everybody. They made, they made these NHL teams look foolish at times. Uh, I get a little bit concerned about these teams who just run through everybody with however many points they had and just destroying everybody and then coming into the playoffs. And, and it can be a different beast, but this is a Tampa Bay lightning team that has been here for the last, however many years, four or five years, they've had some really good series with, with uh, Pittsburgh and with Toronto um, and stuff like that. So I, I think that um, they continue to put it together against a really uh, poor Columbus blue jackets team, in my opinion. I mean, they've got guys that are going out the door Kucherov is is just a man amongst boys out there. 
you got Stamkos doing what he's doing, and they're really good on the back end. I definitely give them the edge in goaltending as well. I don't think that you're, – you're right on, Sonny, with the way Bobrovsky plays in the playoffs. Once you start peppering him with shots, like you said, he just he – just he's, a, he's, a he's a leaky hose. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that they're good enough on the defensive side either to, to stop them on their power play. I mean, this power play is vicious, and like you said, that number one penalty kill goes a long, long way. So – um, I, I fully expect this to be a rather uneventful series. I, I don't; it doesn't really intrigue me that much, and I fully expect Tampa Bay to do everything that they are supposed to be doing in this series. And I expect them to win. Like you said, I, I'm going with five as well too. I expect maybe Columbus can be a tough place to play. Uh, those fans will be riled up. They, they do a pretty good job showing up and supporting that team no matter what. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, take one of those in Columbus. And, and I expect that the, uh, the Lightning will take this series in, uh, in five games. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you guys as well. I, I actually think that the – well, I don't think. The, the stats say the, the, the Blue Jackets have the second-best pen, penalty kill in the, uh, in the league this year. So I think just from that standpoint, they might be able to limit the um, – the, uh, the lightning power play. They also took the second least amount of penalty minutes per game. Um, look, I, I'm not telling you anything crazy here saying that the lightning are going to win this series, but I think it's going to be, I think the lightning will probably win game one, four or five to one. And then the rest of the games are going to be closer affairs than people are expecting them to be. I'm actually going to take the, the, the lightning in six here. I think the blue jackets, pull off two games here. I really do. Um, I don't think this is as big of a mismatch. Yes, look, the Lightning are by far the best team in, in the league, but in terms of the Blue Jackets sort of limping in, yes, they do. But, uh, look, I, uh, as a Rangers fan, I've watched Tortorella teams sort of be able to play with teams that are far better than them in the playoffs with good goaltending. Bobrovsky is a Vezina-winning uh, goalkeeper, so he. He certainly has that on his resume to get hot and, and carry his team through a series. So I, I kind of look for them to take a couple of uh, two games in this series and uh, ultimately, you know, lose in six. But uh, so, yeah, I got the lightning in six. All right. Rhinos go in lightning sweep. Bring out the brooms. Scrub up Philadelphia at the same time. Sweep it up. All right. Next. Right underneath. Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs. The Bruins overcame injuries to the majority of their roster. Only four players appeared in more than 75 games, and none was a defenseman. To again end up one of the NHL's top teams with a 49-24-9 record and 107 points. They were third in goals against at 2.59 per game and 11th in goals per game at 3.13 fueled by Marshan's 100-point season, David Pasternak's 38 goals in 66 games, and 73 points from Krejci, matching his career high. The Maple Leafs added free agent prize John Tavares last summer, but struggled with consistency this season, especially on defense. They were fourth in the NHL in goals per game at 3.49, but a middling 12th in goals against at 3.04. They generate as many shots, 33.4, as they surrender 33.1. The Leafs are a 100-point team also, 46-28-8, and they have a deep forward group and a capable goaltender. 
but are they good enough defensively to go to war with the Boston Bruins? Uh, first line, in the past, we might have skipped to the advantage Bruins part of this entry, but the line of Bergeron, Marshad, and Pasternak was actually a bit less effective than it was in a dominating the league last season. Its goals for percentage dropped from 63.64% to 53.85. Metrics such as expected goals per percentage, 56.28, and high danger shot attempt, 54.07, at 5-on-5 dipped as well. Granted, they played 462 minutes together compared to 535 minutes in the previous season due to injuries. Injuries. The Toronto line of Tavares, Marner, Heyman played 817 minutes together and was outstanding at 60.92 goals for percentage, 56.82 high high danger shot attempts percentage, and 53 goals generated. Defensively, as much as the forwards are an advantage for the Leafs, the blue line is an advantage for the Bruins. The depth of this group was on full display through a season of injuries as only one defenseman, Brandon Carlo, played more than 70 games. It will be tested again as Kevin Miller will likely miss the start of the season. Chara and McAvoy are the top pairing with Krug and Carlo next. Some guy, Matt, not going to say his last name, will likely pair with Camfer with Miller and John Moore out. For the Leafs, Morgan Riley, 72 points in veteran some would say liability, Ron Hainsey from the top pairing with Muzzin and Nikita as the second duo, followed by Dermott and Jake minus five in game seven last year, Gardner as the other duo. Goaltending-wise, the Bruins had the seventh best team save percentage in the NHL at 9-12 with nine shutouts. Tukarask was good, but back up. Uh, Halak was even better at 22-11-4 with a 9-2-2 save percentage and a 16.30 goals saved above average. Frederick Anderson of Toronto once again faced a ton of shots, 1,958, and made a ton of saves, 1,796 for a 9-1-7 save percentage. Often being the best player on the ice for the Leafs, his goal saved above average at 5-on-5 was 9.88, but the Bruins duo, as mentioned, is a shade better. Health-wise, the Bruins are without Miller, center Sean Corley, I'm guessing, and defenseman John Moore to start the series, but all could be possibly back at some point. Toronto right now is fairly healthy based on roster posted. Sonny. Yeah, um, as much as I love Tampa Bay, um, to win, they're actually going to be my Stanley Cup, uh, to win the Stanley Cup, I think the only team in the East um, that could take them down would be the Bruins, uh, but we'll get to that. Um, Bruins and Leafs. Uh, Bruins won the series 3-1 against Toronto, but Anderson only played in two of those games. Um, I'm not really sure why, if it was a second of a back-to-back or whatever it was, but Anderson only saw them twice this year, so I don't really look at the series split that much. Um the thing that, that impressed me the most about the Bruins was, like you said, they dealt with injuries all year, and they lost their pure – they have a ton of goal scorers in the team, but their pure goal scorer, uh, David Pasternak, was out. Um, and they just – they continue to score, and they continue to beat teams. Um, their their first two lines are, are really deep. Um, I think the biggest thing in this series is going to be the Bruins' defense because they definitely have um, – the better defensive players and more, way more experience, um, especially with Char there. Uh, both teams can score. We know that, but 
um, I think the, just the advantage in the defense alone um, is going to really help the Bruins here. And that defense has kind of been like a reoccurring trend in the last like five, six, seven years here in the playoffs. I think the Leafs definitely, they have more straight up talent. Like you said, they added Tavares and they finally got a Nylander signed, which he didn't really show up much this year. Um, but I think the Bruins have just better chemistry. I mean, I don't, there's not really a better line or more fun line to watch than uh, Bergeron centering Marshawn and uh, Pasternak. Um, that doesn't really, like the Leafs having all these skilled players, though, I think that's actually going to hurt them in the playoffs. They're kind of going to, you know, maybe run into each other too much. Uh, we saw a lot of games. They try to win every game like a track meet. That's not really how you win in the NHL playoffs. Um, and the, like as in Tampa, Bruins have a really good power play and a really, really good penalty kill. Uh, they can score on the penalty kill. They had a ton of shorthanded goals. Marshan is lethal on the penalty kill. Um, and another game example that really stood out to me this year was uh, when the Bruins played at Tampa. Uh, I think it was the last game they played each other. The Bruins kind of slowed the game down the entire game. Uh, there was only one goal scored going into the third period by the Bruins. They led one nothing, And then you could tell Tampa was kind of, kind of like exhausted. They couldn't really hang with the banging and the, and the checking and all that. And then all of a sudden uh, the Bruins scored three goals in like, like a minute and a half. And that was really one of the first games I was like, damn, like maybe the Bruins could really take out Tampa here. Um, but getting back to the series, uh, like I said, the Bruins definitely have the experience. I think they have the chemistry and the special teams. I'm definitely giving the edge to Tuka Rask here over Freddie Anderson. Anderson's a good goalie, but they really don't have the, the, the defense in front of him for a playoff run. Um, I think the Leafs put up a good fight, but I'm going to take the Bruins in six. Uh, I, I'm really intrigued by this series. I think that anytime you get um, two teams that know each other as well as the Leafs and the Bruins do, um, and especially when you got a guy like Mike Babcock behind the bench in Toronto, I think that his experience in the playoffs really can help kind of make up for some of the weaknesses that the Maple Leafs has, have, particularly on the defensive side. They're kind of slow. They're big. Um, like you had mentioned about Ron Hainsey not having a great year. They acquired Muzzin in a big move, but it didn't seem to really help as much as I think they wanted it to. So they're definitely lacking on the defensive side, and there's no doubt that they have the weaker of the two goalies. Uh, both goalies kind of limping into the playoffs too, not having played very well uh, down the stretch of the last four or five games apiece. I think Tuka Rask was like one and three or whatever in his last four or something like that. So, you know, that that's, that's going to be probably a little bit more of an even battle. I, I like the experience that Rask has in the playoffs um, and, and having won a Stanley Cup as well, too. I think that goes a long, long way in these types of series. Um, but I, I expect that Toronto is going to figure out a way to score. And if they want to make it a track meet, I think that was a good point, Sonny, that you brought up about um, that game that, that Boston played against Tampa Bay. Uh, I think it's always a little bit different, though, again, when you're playing these the, the setup they have for the playoffs where you're going to play a division rival like this. And, and sometimes these coaches and these teams hold something back in those regular season games. And then the playoffs come around and it can be, it can just be a totally different beast. Um, and, and we know that Boston's going to score that, that Marshan uh, Bergeron line is outstanding and they are a lot of fun to watch, no matter how anybody feels about Brad Marshan and his, um, his traveling tongue. But uh, you know, it, it, they are a lot of fun to watch and they are good on the back end. But I think this, this series actually is going to be 
a lot closer than people think. Um, you know, Zdeno Chara is still there at 42 years old, but he's still kind of just a, he, he's a big oaf back there anymore. Still, still can play well, but you know that speed could could tire a big guy out like that, um, and, and could leave them susceptible on the back end a little bit, especially with a leaky goaltender right now. Um, so I actually am going to go with Boston as well, but I do think this series is a little bit closer than maybe some of the, uh, some of the writers and people think that it's going to be, I'm going to take Boston in seven. Uh, I fully expect there to be some overtime games that, that make people kind of sit on their hands, especially in both Toronto and Boston. So I've got Boston in seven in the series and I, I do think it's going to be a good one. What do you got? Pause. Um, so I actually see this series as the biggest mismatch of the entire um, of the entire playoffs. I think the Maple Leafs absolutely are terrible. Um, I think the Bruins are. I think it's the the Lightning and the Bruins are one and one A, and then everyone else is sort of on a on a second tier. I think the I, I honestly I I think the Maple Leafs suck. I really do. I think they are an awful team. Um, I think they are getting absolutely blown out. Their doors are absolutely going to get absolutely blown off in this series. It's going to be a four-game sweep for the for the uh, Bruins. I really, really believe that. I don't really have more much more to say other than that. It's pretty. It's one of the most confident things I've ever heard you say. All right. Uh, yeah, that was real good. That was pretty good. I'm going to go uh, Boston. We're so thus far, we're all on the same teams. I'm going uh, six, though. I, I do think this is going to be semi-close. I think those lines are going to be very competitive versus each other, both two very good top lines. Uh, and uh, I agree with uh, Chris. We'll see some overtime stuff here. I think ultimately, though, Boston comes out in six. Underneath them. So uh, it would be, you know, Tampa would roll out in Boston if the way we see it. The bottom section. Washington. Carolina. Um, Capitals, obviously, if you don't know, well, I'll tell you here. They're defending Stanley Cup champions, okay? If you didn't know and you're not a hockey person, there you go. Uh, Capitals spent the summer splashing in fountains, celebrating the franchise's first Stanley Cup, but the hangover wasn't as severe as many feared. Washington won its fourth straight division title. The Capitals did slump at times, including a seven-game losing streak in mid-January, but had some dominant stretches, too. Captain Alex Ovechkin cruised to his second consecutive Rocket Trophy and eighth overall. His 51 goals were 26 more than his closest teammate. The Caps begin the season with nearly the same roster they ended with in June. They would add along the way uh, defenseman Jensen, veteran winger Carl Haglin, and a force in the penalty kill, but also lost some. They sent playoff hero Devante Smith-Pelly to the minors and lost top-pairing defenseman Michael Kempney to injury late in the season. Carolina, meanwhile, has been injected by new energy. In his first full season as the majority owner, Tom Dundon has been intimately involved in day-to-day operations, and the new head coach has shined. With elaborate post-game celebrations, which drew the ear of many traditionalists in hockey media, and a fast-paced game, the Canes improved attendance and clinched their first playoff berth in a decade, snapping the NHL's longest postseason drought. The bunch of jerks, as they are called, had a bunch of fun. They also boasted a strong defensive structure. Young Finland's not happening. I like to call them a ho, but I think I'm, I'm 100% sure it's a ho or whatever. 
But either way. And Captain Justin Williams set the bar offensively. When projected starting goalie Scott Darling faltered, Carolina benefited from surprise performances from Peter Mrazek and Curtis. Uh, you know, not happening. Uh, Aho led the Hurricanes in scoring with a career-high 30 goals and 53 assists. He's due for a star turn, and there's no better place to make your mark than the playoffs, especially if he gets the chance to go up against Washington's top scorer, Kuznetsov. That said, it's hard to imagine Ovechkin or his line slowing down anytime soon. The Hurricanes might have a hard time in particular finding an answer also to Tom Wilson, as most people do. He's just kind of a scum. Uh, Whatever. Defense. The Canes boast a surplus of capable defensemen, especially ones who can contribute offensively. The blue line is Carolina's biggest area of strength. The Caps are without top-pairing defensemen. Kempney, a huge blow considering how effective the young Czech was in last season's cup run. The Jensen acquisition was a needed one. Goaltending, unlike last spring, Washington enters the playoffs with no uncertainty in net. Brandon Holpe is the guy. Holpe ended the season with five straight wins and a 9-4-7 save percentage across those games. Mrazek has been a delight for the Canes this season, but this isn't the first time we've seen flashes of brilliance from the 26-year-old. His challenge now is to sustain it. Sonny. Uh, <clears throat> I like the Cavs here a lot. I think it's really not going to be close. Um, I mean, the Hurricanes did kind of put a, together like a surprising season. I don't think many people were expecting that with the a new coach, a lot of a lot of new players. They they sent a lot of guys away in the off season. Um, but the Caps just, I mean, they have a better lineup up and down. Ovenchkin's a freak of nature in the playoffs. I mean, he's good all year, but he just he just turns it up that extra. That extra notch that everyone needs in the playoffs. Uh, goaltending, like you said, uh, definitely uh, Holpe here. And he started his playoff career just from being a Rangers fan. I mean, he was really, really bad come playoffs. Uh, you could tell just by the look on his face when he was in net. Like, he was nervous. He was he was unsettled. Um, but he really, he really settled in last year, and that was a big reason why they did actually come out of the East and then, and then win the Cup. Um, Mrazic's a good, a good goalie. Um, he, I mean, he had terrible numbers just because he played with Detroit most of his career before going to Carolina. But he only has 10 games uh, playoff experience, which I think that's really going to hurt them in the long run. Um, like you said, losing Kepney was huge, um, a huge loss for the Capitals. He was he was real, real, real good. He's exactly the defenseman you need in the playoffs. Um, I mean, they do still have they still have Carlson, they still have Niskanen, Orlov, Orpik. Those are all still, you know, that's they're probably like the second, I'd say the second best defensive team in the East. Um, but I just think overall the Canes are too young. Um, they, they besides like you said, besides Aho, um, they really don't have anybody that could just not take over a game because that's not really what hockey is. But just like like I said about Pasternak, like just a pure goal scorer. So I think. Um, I think the Capitals, yeah, I don't. I won't say a sweep. Uh, I think they'll they'll probably drop one in Carolina, but I'm taking Capitals in five here. What do you think, Chris? Um, this, you know, Carolina, they were they were actually as annoying as kind of some of that stuff can be, and, and I kind of got a little bit irritated with the stuff in Vegas last year, the whole everything that was going on during their playoff games. But some of the stuff Carolina was doing after their games was was really funny. It was unique. Um, I actually thought it was like a, a nice breath of fresh air in, in hockey that I think sometimes can get uh, kind of a little bit stuffy at times and everything with, with some of their 
some of their bullshit and unwritten rules and everything like in baseball. But um, I expect Carolina to actually make this a little bit of a series. I don't think they really stand much of a chance. I do think that uh, their youth will kind of shine in Rhino. It's Aho, and I know that because he helped get me to that uh, fantasy hockey championship. But, um, you know, he, he's a good – he's one of the really, really good young players. You did see uh, flashes of Morazic again that, that we didn't really see too much of in Detroit, like you said, Sonny. Um, I just do think that Washington just is going to have too much firepower. And, you know, Brayton Holpe is as much as, you know, I've, I've watched him a lot in the playoffs, as many games as he played against the Penguins, and he can have his moments. But he, for the most part, is a pretty strong playoff goalie. Um, sometimes things can break down in front of him, and I think that can kind of get in his head. But overall, Washington's a really, really good team in the first round, too. They, they take care of business. You know, they – They've won this division now for however many years in a row it's been, four or five, something like that. And they always take care of business pretty easily in the first round. It's really no problem when they have that home ice advantage, and that's always a big, big thing for them. Uh, but I think that going to Carolina is going to be a little bit of a buzzsaw, even though it's not really known to be. So, you know, I, I don't know if, if Carolina can win every game there, but, you know, teams in the past in the playoffs uh, have been able to go to Washington and steal a game or two uh, uh, on the road. And I would expect that that probably happens again. Sometimes the, the Capitals in the past have, have been known to, to kind of sleep, I think, at times in the first round with games and maybe series go a little bit longer or games get a little bit more dicey than they should. You know, they'll take a period off, two periods off, something like that, and they kind of can storm back. But that might not be a good thing to do against this this kind of upstart, young, you know, nothing-to-lose Carolina Hurricanes team that really shouldn't be here. So um, I, I do expect it maybe to be a halfway decent series. Um, I do still like Washington, though, and um, I'm going to go with the Capitals in six games. I just think that with uh, Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, Backstrom, that power play is always just going to cause so many problems for teams, and, and, and really in the playoffs when it's just such a different beast, uh, it's going to be hard for, I think, Carolina to keep up with that if they're going to be land themselves in the box. And as much as I don't like him, as much as I think he's probably the biggest piece of shit in the game, um, you know, Tom Wilson has an edge and he has a grit and he can do a lot of things that I think any one of us would want on our hockey team, uh, and he does it. And he does it night in and night out. And I don't know that Carolina has anybody that's going to really be able to match somebody like Tom Wilson and kind of what he brings to to a playoff series as well, too. So I've got the Capitals um, in six games here, but I'm hoping for an uh, entertaining series. Yeah, I think this is going to be actually a really good series. Um, this is one of the one of the couple of ones in the you know in this first round that I sort of wavered back and forth about. Um, I'm just not convinced that the Capitals are the same team as they were last year, just in terms of um, you know obviously not having Barry Trotz on the bench, which we'll get to his current team in a few minutes, um, and then also just. You know, sometimes there's sort of that, uh, you know, the hangover, which I know that Ovechkin probably had a nasty one after his uh, multi-week-long bender that he was on. But, uh, you know, just sort of like a hangover with especially a team winning uh, their first title and sort of getting over the hump and, you know, of, uh, of sort of always, fought, uh, of always failing in the playoffs. Um, so, I don't know. I, 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 think the, I think this series is going seven. I... 
ultimately just came down to leaning on the Capitals winning this series just from a uh, experience standpoint, but I would not argue with anybody that told me that they were convinced that the, the Hurricanes were going to win this series. I couldn't argue with it. I wavered back and forth with it multiple times, but I really think this is going to be a, a fun seven-game series. All right. Uh, I'm going Washington in five. Uh, bing, bang, boom, pregnant. Islanders, Pittsburgh, on the bottom, finishes at the East. Islanders began 2018-2019 with tremendous uncertainty, continuing their commute between Brooklyn and Long Island as they await a permanent home at Belmont Racetrack. But the team also needs to navigate without its former captain, John Tavares, as he left in free agency for Toronto. New GM Lou Lamarillo dubiously signed a handful of fourth liners in free agency and gave the reins to Barry Trotz, who felt jilted after he won his Stanley Cup in Washington, <laughs> Excuse me, but did not receive the rich contract he felt he deserved. The result? The Islanders were a pure delight. New York went from one of the league's most poorest defenses to the most responsible. The goaltending was terrific. The Islanders proved everyone wrong, and now they have home ice for a series for the first time since 1988. The Penguins have felt like a work in progress all season. GM Jim Rutherford made several mid-level tweaks, whether it was the early season swap of Marcus uh, Peterson, yeah, or for Carl Hagelin, or adding Jared McCann and Nick Bugstead to forwards for the future to get this team in the right direction. The top line has clicked consistently. Not only did Sidney Crosby have a great season, oh my God, I don't know what else. There's some other guy, Jake, scored 40 goals too with very little fanfare. The Penguins once again boast a roster with a ton of playoff experience, and they once again look like a team that waited to peak at the right time for a long playoff run. In regards to the first line, offense hasn't been easy for the Islanders in the first season as the Isles' top center. Matt Brazel notched only 62 points down from 85 in his sensational rookie season. Captain Andres Lee was the closest New York player to 30 goals. He had 28. Sidney Crosby. Crosby might be having one of his most complete seasons as a pro and probably should be in the Hart Trophy conversation. Jake quietly reached 40 goals. Defense. New York doesn't have a true shutdown top pairing, but it doesn't have any glaring weaknesses either. Playing time is pretty even for all six blue liners, from 35-year-old Johnny Boychuk to 24-year-old Devon Toes, who leveled up this season under trots. Chris Letang had a bounce-back season for the Penguins, and as long as he's healthy, he will be a force in the postseason. Overall, Pittsburgh's blue line has been jumbled this season and is not a true area of strength. Goaltending-wise, something has been right with Matt Murray dating to early last season. He has shown flashes of the goaltender he can be, and management had so much faith in him that they felt comfortable parting ways with Marc-Andre Fleury. But overall, he was just decent with a 9.919 save percentage and a 2.69 goals against average. New York's goaltending has been a uh, revelation this season. Robin Leonard, a 9.34 even strength save percentage, and Thomas Grease, I guess, a 9.3 save and combined for a league-high 11 shut- shutouts and took the William M. Jennings Trophy. Sonny, Penguins, Islanders. All right. Um, probably uh, my most hated team only because they've knocked the Rangers out of the playoffs so many times. And I've had to watch Crosby and Malkin and 
the rest of their team just continually beat the Rangers for the last few years. Um, but for me, this was actually my probably my favorite, or I guess it's my favorite because it's the toughest series, I think, for me in the East. Um, they split the season series 2-2. Um, obviously, the Penguins have the huge edge in offense, but that's, like, not even close. But And before I even get to the Isles, they got no credit all year for what they put together after losing John Tavares. And like you said, they went from letting up the most goals, which, I mean, almost every single game last year, you could have bet the over in the Islander games. Um, But for this year, they went from letting up the most goals, adding two new goaltenders. Grice played a little bit last year, but adding Robin Leonard from Buffalo. And then both of them just put on an absolute show all year. And like you said, again, like they really had no like stud defenseman or stud pairing. It was kind of just like six guys that just came to play every single night. They were helping out the goalies tremendously. Um, But I'm going to give the edge here to the Penguins. I mean, Crosby was literally born for playoff hockey. Um, I mean, they have Crosby, Malkin, Gensel was uh, that that Jake guy you were talking about. Um, They added Nick Bukestad from uh, Florida, which was kind of like a – like under the radar, like low-key, really – successful trade for the Penguins. He's been really hot um, for them. He's a big guy. They really didn't have too many big guys over there. And then, of course, they got, you know, Kensel, uh, Kessel. They have Hornquist. Um, their defense is pretty good, even though I hate them. They have Chris Letang, who always shows up in the playoffs. Um, the Isles, I think the reason they won't really have a chance in this series is because they don't have the chance to run away with any games, and the Penguins can – I mean, anybody can score in a second, but the Penguins can literally score a goal in a second. They have just too many pure goal scorers, um, too many guys that can shoot the puck. Uh, they'll they'll pin you in, in in your own zone for a while. They'll tire you out, and then that's when Crosby will do a no-look pass between his legs, 360 to Kessel on backdoor, and that's game over. Um, but I do think this is the first this is the first series I'm I'm going to say go seven games. Um, I think Murray Murray is a a very successful uh, playoff goalie and I think he's going to help them as well. Um, but just the offensive woes itself for the Islanders, uh, I think they dropped us and the future is definitely bright for them because they're a young team, but I'm going to go Penguins in seven here. What do you got, Chris? So obviously I'm very, very excited about this, right? And um, I, you know, for me, I think that some of those stats that you were talking about, Rhino, are, are a tick misleading. Uh, you know, let's just start with Matt Murray. You know, he did not start the season very well. He was injured, which has been a big issue in his whole career. But regardless, since December 5th, the guy's 25-9-5 and with a 9.30 save percentage. I mean, that's fifth best in the NHL. It's really good. He's played really, really good for the Penguins. And he has had the really literally save game for them um, at some point in time during the season. He has a handful of them. Every goalie is enough to do that. I mean, I think that the big thing with the Islanders is that's exactly what um, Robin Leonard and, and Thomas Grice did was that they saved games for them. I think that what they did was actually really, really incredible. And for them to be, to let up the most amount of goals to the least amount of goals is, is really, really impressive. And I do think that that kind of thing, carries over into the playoffs in this type of situation. What's going to be tricky for them is what happens if you start Robin Leonard in the first game and he plays really well and loses, or he lays an egg. Do you automatically go to Grice or what do you do? Um, It's really going to take Barry Trotz to be very, very careful with what he's going to do in that situation. If that happens, 
They're not very good up front. The Penguins absolutely demolished them in the forward category. The Penguins have three lines that can skate and play. Um, Sonny, you mentioned the Bukestad McCann trade, and actually the big thing in that trade that was that was huge for the Penguins was McCann. Uh, this kid's young, he's cheap, and he kills penalties. He scores shorthanded goals. He scores even strength goals. I mean, the kid can play anywhere. Uh, Bukestad is a good is a good enough third line center. Uh, just today, they were they're kind of messing around with their lines a little bit. They're putting Kessel down on the third line with uh, with Bukestad, and uh, I can't remember who the who the other winger is going to be right now. But uh, so he's going to be down there. But I assume that what Mike Sullivan always does is he's always screwing around with the lines throughout the games and everything. Um, <clears throat> the biggest issue for the Penguins, and and I do want to say this too about Crosby. It, it, this is probably you guys don't think this is the most Homer thing ever, but. He's he's the best he's the best player in hockey. He's the best 200 foot player in hockey. Agreed. He should win the Selkie this year. Um, I, I don't know. He probably won't win the Hart, and, and that probably makes a little bit of sense. But he's the best 200 foot hockey player in hockey, and he has been for an incredibly long time. Um, and, and and I think that you know keep watching him while you can because you know he's there. There's not too many more players like him. And you're right. He is absolutely born for playoff hockey. Um, but on the defensive side, that is the one area where the Penguins can be a little bit dicey. Uh, they, they, they are starting to look like they're going to be healthy. Dumoulin's practicing, but he's practicing down on the, on the fourth pairing right now. So I don't anticipate he's going to be available for game one. I would bet he doesn't play in game two either. You pair with Latang and Dumoulin, so now you're already down there. Um, and and so, he, so right now he's the odd man out, but once everyone's healthy, you're probably looking at Mata being odd man out, and you still you got guys skipping back like Jack Johnson, uh, but, you know, DeBranson and Pedersen were great additions. They played really, really well for the Penguins on the back end. But the Penguins let up a shitload of shots. It's probably good that they're playing a team like the Islanders who isn't exactly – they don't exactly score a ton of goals. So that can actually work for the Penguins to maybe work out some kinks. Um, I expect this series to be competitive. Again, I, you know, these, these, these interdivision matchups like this are always can be a little bit, a little bit tricky – um, you know, you, you're going to get an overtime game or two, something like that. That can always be a coin flip. Um, but I, I think, and, and once again, the Penguins are, of course, they finished third division, of course, are the road team. This just seems like this is how it always works. Um, but I think that the uh, Penguins ultimately do get the job done like they should uh, against an Islanders team that I think maybe ends up being a little bit overwhelmed at times, even though they've got trots and they've got some guys um, who kind of have been around, but I expect the Penguins to win this series in six games. Uh, I, I've seen the way they've played historically and how sometimes they can drop a game or two, a game at home, and you, you're kind of walking away from it going, what the hell was that all about? But, um, you know, I, I like Matt Murray. I like the way he's playing. He's playing awesome right now. So I've got the Penguins in six games um, and, and getting ready to take on the Capitals in the, uh, in the second round. What do you got, Pause. Uh, I think another fun series here. I think the the games are ultimately going to be very competitive. Um, I always think back to, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe six years ago when the Islanders and and Penguins played in that in that series. I think it only ended up going six games. The Penguins won, but I think like four of the games went to overtime. And you know, I just I just kind of foresee the same sort of series. Um, you know, not as high scoring, obviously, uh, which those games were. But um, I really think the Islanders are going to be able to put up a, a, a very big fight against the against the Penguins. Um, like 
the like Chris and uh, Sonny, like you said, the you know sort of the Achilles heel is the is the defense for um, for the Penguins, and that could be something that's you know again for a team like the Islanders that doesn't score much, doesn't get a lot of shots on goals, things shots on goal, things like that. Um, you know, for a team to have a a hole in in defense could sort of spur that team that's not great on the offensive end on to perform much better on the offensive end. Um, so, look, I'm just going to be a little contrarian here. I'm going to go the Islanders in seven. Um, but, yeah, I think this is another fun series. I, you know, same thing. I have no qualms with anyone picking the, the Penguins. I have no qualms with anyone picking the Islanders just to, to kind of be different than, than the rest of us here. I'm going to go with the Islanders in seven. All right. I wish I could take the Islanders here just because I love talking shit to Chris. Actually, no, he loves talking shit to me. I don't really talk shit about teams because I, I get too amped up myself. But uh, I, I like the Pens here. I just I just kind of like uh, Sonny mentioned, I just think uh, Islanders are a little too young right now. And the Pens offense is just, in my opinion, is just too good. And I just think they're kind of just really better on all facets of the ice. So I, I'm going to go Pens in six. Uh, all right, that brings us to the West. For me, I, I thought this was the most competitive. I'm not, uh, like I said, ego aside, I'm not as big of a uh, hockey guy outside of the Rangers as the likes of Chris and uh, and Sonny, that's for sure. I just thought, to me, this was like trying to pick the American League in the MLB compared to taking the National League. Uh, I really thought, like, Besides one series, I thought all were very close. So uh, this should be I'm very interested to see kind of how everybody that we have here on the line goes with their series. Uh, again, six five seven three eight three one six nine two is how you get a hold of us. Any questions you got for us, thoughts about your team, thoughts you want from us on your team, et cetera, that's how you get a hold of us. Uh, to the top, on the western side, Calgary and the Colorado Avalanche. Um, the Flames missed the playoffs last season after making them in 2016-17 for one primary reason, their offense. They had a 2.63 goals per game average, ranking them 27th in the league, so the GM got to work. He fired the head coach, replaced him with former Carolina coach Bill Peters. He made a blockbuster trade, moving defenseman Dougie Hamilton to the Hurricanes. Dougie Hamilton, my favorite uh, ultimate team player of all time. Uh, moved Dougie Hamilton to the uh, Hurricanes with Michael Furland and the rights to Adam Fox for defenseman Noah Hannafin and forward Elias Lindholm. He signed Derek Ryan and James Neal. These changes, along with career years from Johnny Hockey and Matthew Tuchuk, I'm guessing, helped the Flames to be the league's third best offense at 3.52 goals per game. Mark Giordano led defense, was good enough in front of their below-average goaltending to win the Pacific. The Avalanche had a more complicated path to the postseason, clinching their wild-card spot in the last days of the regular season. They did so on the back of their goalie, who they acquired last summer from the Capitals, who went 8-1-2 and two down the stretch and gave up gave up more, oh, only gave up more than two goals once in that 11-game span. While depth is not a word associated with these abs, they do boast one of the best lines in hockey when the group is together and healthy. First line, Nathan McKinnon, Miko, 
And Landis Cog played 841 minutes together at even strength and dominated 46 goals, a goals for percentage average of 61.33 and a 54.56 scoring chance percentage. But Calgary, Sean Monahan, Johnny Hockey, and Lindholm were nearly as potent offensively in 823 minutes with 52 goals and a 59.77 goals for percentage and 52.56% of scoring chances. They were also a little better defensively, thanks in no small part to Lindholm joining up. It's close, but the nod looks like it goes may go to McKinnon's group. Defense. Giordano is the favorite to take home his first Norris Trophy after a season that saw him score 17 goals, amass 74 points, and post a plus 39 rating at 35 years old. He's paired with TJ Brody, Travis Hamanick, and Hannafin make up the other duo, but then it gets a little thin with players like Oscar Fantenberg, uh, Anderson, Oliver Clinton, I guess, and some guy Dalton is in the mix. The Avalanche are act anchored by Tyson Barry, who had 59 points in 78 games this season. He skates with Nikita, who was a plus 19 this season. Their leader in ice time on defense is veteran Eric Johnson, who skates with Samuel, Samuel Gerrard. Veteran Ian Cole and Patrick Nemeth round out the group. Goaltending-wise, Calgary's goaltender has been red hot down the stretch and strong overall with a .917 save percentage, although his goal saved above average is just 0.85. Verlamov was 20-19-9 with a .909 save percentage, and he has appeared in six games since March 1st. The Flames got a great run from David... David Ritich, who posted a .911 save percentage and 7.99 goals saved above average. But the 36-year-old Mike Spliff has split time with him in the past month, and he appears to have decreased to start the playoffs after two months that salvaged his season. Calgary, Avalanche. I think this is going to be another similar showing of uh, the Tampa-Columbus series. I think... Colorado just has no business being here. Calgary is going to beat them up on offense, on defense, goaltending, the whole the whole show. Um, the Flames own the series uh, during the regular season, 3-0. Um, like I said, the Flames just have way more depth um, on offense and on defense. They have um, leadership up and down the lineup. I mean, like you said, Giordano, Gaudreau, James Neal, Tuchuk. Um They have a ton of guys. Uh, like I said, with the Bruins, that just they just know how to score. Um, they kind of come at you in waves. Gaudreau can literally has literally has the puck on a string. It's kind of like it's it's almost like McDavid, not as good as McDavid, but he can weave in and out of guys. He can hold the puck behind the net. Um, he's one of the best setup guys in the league. Uh, Colorado kind of came out hot in the beginning of the year. Um, they were setting all kinds of records. That kid Miko ran in. Um, he had like something absurd like 50 points in the first like 25 games something like that um mckinnon's probably one of my top three four or five players in the league um he's insane to watch another guy that just has the puck on the string um but they you know second half of the season they faltered their offense was garbage um their goaltending fell off varlamov was off uh off his game and injured for a little bit um, they really only made the playoffs because the West is just horrible as a whole. Um, they won't even have sniffed a wild card in the East. Uh, the Flames started the season hot. Um, they kind of went through a little scoring drought. Um, but I remember 
the Devils helped them out there. They put up like nine goals on the Devils in, um, in Calgary. Uh, they scored like six in the third period alone. Um, they were right back on track after that. But uh, just just the, I mean, the pure offensive talent, the leaders, uh, the experience. Um, I think the Flames handle this one. David Riddich and even Mike Smith, if they end up, you know, going one and one uh, with these games, uh, they have just way more, way more consistency, and um, I think they'll show up uh, big time for here for this series. Uh, I'm going to take Calgary with the 4-0 sweep here. Chris. Yeah, you know, the Western Conference is by far – that was a really good comparison, Rhino, to the AL and NL. It just it's, it seems like it's night and day at times, um, and I think that's been proven year in and year out with the Eastern Conference team winning winning a Stanley Cup every year, um, it seems like. so. But, you know, this Calgary Flames team is interesting. Um, a 23-point turnaround from last year. Uh, and, and you know you've got you've got uh, I think what is the old Savile Dome is going to be probably rocking for for a playoff series. It seems like it really is not a uh, good good scene that the Avalanche are going to be walking into. Uh, Calgary really did own them the whole season. Uh, you've got you know they've got two leaders in the clubhouse probably with the Hart Trophy and the Norris Trophy in Goudreau and, and Giordano. And you can art we can we can have a different discussion about how you should great out of Norris Trophy, but, you know, Giordano, Giordano with all his points, you know, that's fine. Um, it, the Avalanche are good up front with McKinnon um, and some of these other young guys that they've got, and, and I think they actually have a chance to probably be a pretty good team in the future, but um, for me, I, I just don't think that they're going to be able to keep up. I, I'm a little bit worried on both these teams with regards to their goaltending, and, and I wonder how the goaltending is going to hurt Calgary as they move forward in the playoffs. Um, again, just maybe beating up on the West doesn't really give you a really, really good idea as to maybe how good or bad your team is when you're, when you're walking into the playoffs and you're, you're maybe a newer team like, like Calgary is. So I've got Calgary taking this series um, in five games. Again, I think it's really, really hard to sweep. I, I think these teams can always figure out a way to win at least one game at home when that, when that series flips after the first two games. So I've got the, uh, I've got the Flames in, in five games here over the Avalanche. Pause. I have the the Flames here in five as well. Um, I think just like you, Chris, I'm worried about their as much as I like them, um, and I've actually liked this Flames team for a couple of years. Um, as much as I like them, their goaltending is sort of scary compared to a lot of the other top tier teams in in the in the playoffs. Um, I mentioned back during the trade deadline. I think Sonny, you may have still been you know kind of on with us on a more regular basis, but. Um, if I was Calgary, I would have tried all. I would have tried my hardest to get Lundqvist from the Rangers. Um, I think if if they had a Lundqvist in net, they might easily be the you know the second or maybe after you know after the Bruins and the and the Lightning, they're right there. Um, you know, as in terms of favorites to to win the Stanley Cup. But you know, obviously Lundqvist doesn't want to move and. And whatever, but if I were them, I would have tried to make a, a hell of a push to to get Lundqvist back there because that really would have solidified the the one sort of gray area that they have. I just think they're the far superior team here, as as you guys mentioned. Calgary sort of on the upswing, uh, the Avalanche sort of on the downswing in terms of the last month or two of the season, and uh, yeah, uh, and Chris, same thing. It's tough to sweep, um, you know, especially 
seeing these teams during the regular season a couple times and then seeing them every other night in the playoffs. I expect Varlamov to, to just be able to steal one of the games in, in Colorado for them and, uh, and, and make it a five-game series. But, yeah, Flames in five. Yeah, I agree with you guys. It's tough to sweep, so I'm going to go Calgary uh, sweep. Um, on to Sharks, Vegas, Golden Knights. How they got here? I wish I could go. I love the fact that you call Stadium a shark tank has got to be like top five coolest things of all time. And you come out of the shark. I mean, great, but neither here nor there. Can't do it. Um, anyway, how they got here. Uh, they didn't get it done until September, but the Sharks went the prize of the NHL offseason defenseman Eric Carlson, giving them the two of uh, the league's premier offensive blue liners along with Brett Burns. He joined a veteran team primed for a Stanley Cup run this season with players like Joe Thornton, uh, Logan Couturier, and pending unrestricted free agent Joe Pawlowski, along with Evander Kane, who was acquired last season. Nyquist was added to the group at the trade deadline. The Sharks finished the season second in scoring at 3.52 goals per game. One problem, they were 21st in team defense with 3.15 goals allowed per game with the worst team save percentage in the NHL at .889. Still, the Sharks were able to finish 46-27-9 with 101 points, second in the Pacific Division. Right behind them were the Vegas Golden Knights at 43-32-7 and and 93 points. Last season expansion, Darlings, who lost in the Stanley Cup final. They upgraded in the offseason, too, with free agent center Paul Stasny, and a trade for Max Pacioretty and made an, an in-season blockbuster for Ottawa's Mark Stone. But inconsistent play, some expected regression and injuries to key players, including goalie Mark andre Fleury, left the Knights stuck in third place in the Pacific. First line, last season dominating top trio for Vegas. <laughs> no shot. Jonathan Carlson and Riley Smith couldn't quite recapture the magic this season with just a 50.65 goals for percentage. The better line for Vegas might end up being the Stone, Stastny, and Pac- Pacioretty line, which has played just 154 minutes together, but has a goals for percentage of 60% at 5-on-5. The Sharks, meanwhile, don't have a consistent top line this season. Currently, the line of Couturier, Pawlowski, and Mir, who broke out with 30 goals, might qualify. Defensively, Burns was the league's best offensive defenseman, pumping 300 shots on goal and skating 25 minutes per game for San Jose. His skating with uh, Vlasic, who had a uncharacteristically down season. Carlson's 45 points in 53 games skates with Brendan Dillon and Joakim Ryan and Justin Braun on the final pairing. The Golden Knights returned the same group as last season. Smith, Engelin, McNabb, Theodore, Holden... <laughs> Nick Holden, you know, shocker, Ranger, and Colin Miller, partially because they couldn't find a way to acquire Carlson. Goaltending. Flurry went 35-21-5 and in 61 starts with a .913 save percentage and a 2.51 goals against average. Not as dominant as last season, but he played a critical role during some early season struggles for the Knights. He's been lights out in the past two postseasons. The good news for San Jose is that Martin Jones has a .926 percentage in 42 playoff games. The bad news is that he had a .896 percentage in the regular season and a putrid minus 23.35 goals saved above average. Sonny, Sharks, and Knights. Yeah, I think um, I, this is probably going to be my favorite uh go to like to watch series in the West just because I think 
besides Calgary just lighting up uh, Colorado for four games, um, you're going to see the most most goals here uh, for the West anyway. Um, they split their regular season series 2-2. Um, I mean, we all know Vegas had their just, I guess, magical run last year. Um, I told everyone last year, and I told everyone this year, I think that was more just pure adrenaline, we're going to prove you wrong, um, kind of, you know, everyone, all the coaches and all the GMs, you know, said we weren't good enough, so we're going to prove you wrong. I mean, even though, obviously, what they did was still historic, and if they won the Stanley Cup, it probably would have been, I guess, top two, three, like, greatest things in sport history, but they just don't have the the raw talent, I think, to comp- I'm actually surprised they even made the playoffs, but like I said before, the West is just a complete joke. It's it's laughable. Um, they're a really bad road team. I think the Sharks are just deeper all around, offense and defense. Um, they have a, just a ton of studs on offense. They have uh, Low Couture, Donsky, Hurdle, um, Timo Meyer, as you mentioned, acquiring Nyquist. Pavelski had his best season of his career. Then, of course, you got Jumbo, Joe Thornton, who is just a playoff vet. Um, I think the biggest thing in the series, though, will be Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, he carried them during the entire playoffs last year. Um, he made he saved, made a couple of saves in those games where um, it's kind of those things that may, might go unnoticed, but, like, he'll make a huge slide across the crease, desperation save, and then Vegas will take the puck, go down, and score, like, within 30 seconds. And that's really, especially in the playoffs, that's, that's how you win a series. Um, but I just don't think – I really don't think that Vegas will be able to keep up with the Sharks in a, in a seven-game series. I think the Sharks handle them fairly easily. Um, Vegas is tough to play in, so I think they might drop, uh, I'll say, two games to Sharks. But like you said, playing in the Shark Tank is just the greatest thing ever. Um, I'm going to take the San Jose Sharks here in six. Um, pretty confident in that. What do you got, Chris? Yeah, this is an interesting um, series, I think, uh, between these two teams. Both places, I think, are actually a little bit tricky to play. Um, the Shark Tank is, is always tough, and, and I think what they've built there in, um, in Vegas, when they get everybody out there in Vegas and going to games and stuff, it's, it's a pretty electric atmosphere, um, and that's going to be that's, – that's never an easy place to have to go. Uh, I, I agree, you know, Flurry is by far and away better in about every facet than Martin Jones is. And, and those, I mean, those, those numbers that Jones had this year are, they're bad. And like, they're, they're bad to a, a level that it almost really makes you scratch your head. Like how in the hell did they get out of the series with that? Because his backup isn't any better. Um, he, he's, he's just as bad as him. And maybe he does just turn it around, but those are some pretty astonishing numbers. And, and you are going to have to, outscore this team game in and game out um, and, and outscoring the Knights is certainly possible because they are not as good up front. You know, I, I told a lot of people last year that I thought the, the amount of money they gave one Carlson and, and what he did last year, I was like, I don't know, to me, this is just, this is just a, a little flash in the pan type of thing. I wouldn't expect it to be around. And, you know, he almost scored 20 less goals than he did last year. So, you know, I, I agree that they were probably a little bit of um pretty hyped up I think going to Vegas and play teams having to travel there was probably tricky last year and stuff and, and it just a di- different atmosphere and and then I think they came back down to earth in the, in the Stanley Cup final when 
the Caps really seem to kind of humble them a bit. Um, I do think that Marc-Andre Fleury figures out a way to kind of steal some games. I think he's been a really, really good playoff goalie for, you know, probably the last five or six years. He had some hiccups early in his career in Pittsburgh, but he's been really, really good for them. And I would expect him to kind of steal some more games. Um, on the back end, I do think the Sharks are better. And I think that, that can, that's going to hurt the Knights because they are so much better in the, in the defensive uh, pairings. But, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to ride this little wave here and, and, and keep going with the Knights. There's something with, I just, I keep looking at those Martin Jones numbers, and I just do not like them. I, they are just their bat. <laughs> it, it, it makes me wonder, again, how in the hell do they, they, make, they get to 100 points this year with goaltending like that? And, it, you know, it, again, that, the West just not being very, very good at all. So I'm going to go with the Knights, but I'm, it's going to come down to the wire. I'm going to go with the Knights in seven games, and they're going to figure out a way to, to win that seventh game on the road. So Knights in seven. What do you got, Paz? Yeah, you kind of took the words exactly out of my mouth. I, if I, I'm going to ultimately take the Sharks here in seven, but the only reason is just because it's the Sharks are at home in that game seven. If the Knights were at home, I would 100%, 100% be taking the Knights, but I just think the Sharks will be able to do enough on the defensive end to mask the – inefficiencies of or the inabilities of Martin Jones and I just think they'll be able to do just enough on the offensive end to you know outscore the Knights and 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 win four four of the seven Uh, but yeah this is a seven game series and it's Sharks in seven because of the home ice advantage so for me in hockey when I see two teams that have in my opinion, a lot of deficiencies. Uh, I'm going to go with the better goaltender, and I just I can't sit here and back uh, Martin Jones' numbers and with any confidence whatsoever. So I'm going to go, uh, while I do think that San Jose does um, have a lot of spots where they're probably better, not sure who has the better first line. It could be a toss-up. I'm not going to argue off either one. Obviously, the Sharks have the better defense. Um I'd say coaching is probably a toss-up. Um, you know, to me, there, there's, there, there's, you're kind of splitting hairs at, at everything but defense, and I, ju- I just can't. I'm not going to back a goal, a goaltender with those numbers. I'll take the hotter one in, in an AHL type thing. It's uh, like in baseball, taking an ace uh, if you know you're going to get him one more time. So I'm going to go uh, Vegas Golden Knights in six. Underneath them. Um, Gives us Nashville uh, and Dallas. So let me. Here we go. All right. My most hated. Actually, my second most hated hey, can player. I just and I'll, real quick. Go ahead. Can I just yeah. say something real fast? I don't know if you guys saw, but I just noticed um, the Devils won the lottery and the Rangers got the number two pick. I don't know if you guys oh, were yeah? paying attention to that at all, but yeah, Devils oh, got the number one pick. The Rangers got the number two pick. What a shock that is! Like that, that's such comical. We're we'll sunny. It's a deep this year in the first round, though. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, but it don't matter. We'll, no, we'll trade. He'll they'll trade him for Jeter. Jeter will start for them next year. They'll they'll say they're gonna grow Gromer from age age five to eighteen, and then and then we'll give them we'll cut him or trade that pick away for I don't know maybe Char since he's pushing like forty three. That's around the age that guys we like to acquire. So that's probably probably what will go down. But hey. We'll see. I don't know. What's his name? Uh, did he actually officially step down, or was that just still a continuing rumor, Sonny? 
Um, I'm pretty like, sure was, they were was waiting. Was it actually official? It's definitely official because it was more than it was more than just um, a headline. I saw a couple things uh, that the Rangers have to start looking for somebody else. Okay. Um, he's oh, that's right. Because you said the Yazerman thing. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So they probably just, yeah, there's probably some transaction thing they got to wait for. All right. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. I said, oh yeah, Stars uh, Predators. Um, all right. Uh, the Predators held off surging St. Louis Blues and the slumping Winnipeg Jets to clinch to the Central Division title, but there's been an elephant in the room when discussing Nashville's season. Though the Predators are as good on paper as they've ever been, they haven't looked quite right. Nashville endured some early injuries, including its two top wingers in Victor and Flip Forsberg. The power play has been at times a pain to watch. The midseason acquisitions did not gel quite like general manager had hoped. And yet the Predators preserved, thanks in part to having one of the league's most elite and complete defensive groups, and goaltender Pika Pika Rene has looked com- typically solid as always. No matter how it ultimately ends, this Stars season likely will be remembered as the one where the team's CEO called out its two-star players in a profanity-filtered rant. Far matimal aside, the Stars continued on, adjusting to their third coach in as many years and earning a playoff berth without collapsing as they did late last season. Offenses had been hard to come by for this group, but rookie head coach Jim Montgomery pivoted from his initial game plan, honing in on a tough-checking defensive structure that worked. Goaltending between primary starter Ben Bishop and the backup has been spectacular. First line, talent-wise, Dallas has been has an elite first line, though Jamie Ben's production has slipped this season, only 53 points down from 79 last season. Tyler Sagan rebounded from his CEO's criticism, reaching 80 points for the first time since 13-14, his first season in Dallas. Sagan had 48 points in 44 games since the infamous callout. Both Forsberg and, you know, whatever this guy's name, Aphrodision or whatever, missed time in the fall, which is a shame. He was close to being Nashville's first 40-goal score. He ended up with just 34 in 58 games played. Defensively, the Predators' top four are often lauded as the league's most complete uh, complete set. The Predators get some extra help with Dante, the 2016 first-round pick who finally arrived from college. The Stars' blue line bolstered by breakout performances from 19-year-old <laughs> Miro, and 24-year-old Lindell has been equally stingy, finishing in the top five league-wide in goals allowed per game. Goaltending-wise, Bishop hasn't played in the postseason since 2016, and he looks poised to do some damage again. Bishop is garnering serious Venza Trophy consideration after an excellent season, going 27-15-2 with a .93 save percentage and a 1.98 goals against average. Rene, meanwhile, is reigning Venza winner who had another strong campaign. He's looking to avoid another postseason flop after last year. Sonny, Nashville, Stars. Uh, before I give my uh, little little pick here, um, I, I am going to ultimately pick the Predators, but for us Ranger fans, um, I kind of hope the Stars somehow pull away with this because if they advance to the Western Conference Finals, that trade for Zuccarello, that second-round pick becomes a first-round pick. But um, I don't think there's a chance, really, for the Stars. They just they have not enough offensive depth uh, whatsoever. Um, I think it's going to be probably the most defensive slash best goaltending, I'd say, 
Um, every game is going to be two on, two on, maybe even some one nothing. Um, like you said, Nashville's got probably the best top four in the league. Um, they have Roman Yossi, PK Subban, Ryan Ellis, um, Ekholm, who's extremely underrated. Um, like I said, though, it's going to be a strong defensive matchup. The Preds, I think slightly, but they definitely hold the edge on offense. Um, they have that Arvidsson, uh, Forsberg, Ryan Johansson. Um, they all they all show up in the playoffs. They did last year. Um, besides my favorite player in the league, Tyler Sagan, and then you got Jamie Benn and Radulov, the Stars really have, like, nobody on offense. Um, I'm really not sure what the status on Zuccarello is. Um, I don't even know if he ended up playing towards the end of the regular season. But um, And then even besides him, like they have nobody. They have, like, really, really minuscule offensive talent over there. Um, I think it's going to be kind of like a fun old-school playoff matchup, though, for those – I mean, I know some people still enjoy that. Um, but, I mean, the Preds have the experience. Bishop got really, really hot down the stretch. Um, he had something – some crazy like 260 something minute shutout streak. Um, but um, I think, I think the offensive woes there, like I said, with the Islanders um, in the East, um, as important as defense is, obviously you got to put the puck in the net. And I think the Predators take this in six. What do you got, Chris? So right off the bat, I agree, Predators in six. Um, I think you're spot on with with up front, the Stars just not being very strong. And and I still think that this is a a very, very good Predators team that was, you know, they're just two years removed from being in the Stanley Cup Finals um, and and with a goalie that is still one of the better goalies in the league in Pekka Rene. um, You probably won't see too much. You won't see his backup at all. And, yeah, Ben Bishop had a great year, and it's a a nice little story of of his kind of comeback after – having kind of a strange exit and, and the, kind of what went down in, in um, Tampa Bay between him and Vasilevsky and stuff like that, which was, which was kind of weird anyway, but um, you know, good, good for him. And, and the stars are kind of one of these teams that, you know, they're always kind of hanging around, but can't really seem to be putting it together. And I don't see that changing now. They're here. Dallas isn't exactly a, a tough place to play. Um, you know, it's a good point that they basically have three guys between Sega and Ben and Radulov that really make them very, very good. And, and with, with, you know, the addition of Zuccarello, um, that was great. But I didn't even know, Sonny, did you say that he's, he's injured? Uh, Zuccarello, yeah. He got injured, um, I think it was the day, the first game he played with them. Um, oh, he blocked right. a shot and, and broke his arm. So that's um, right. I I'm not really sure about that, if he yeah. came back yet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and the Predators added guys, like they added Simmons and, and Turris and, and, and uh, Granlin and stuff like that. But Simmons has really struggled all season long. You know, it, they get, they basically gave, a, you know, a, a bucket of pucks to get him, and he's not really doing all that much for them anyway. But, again, I, I just think that the Predators are a, a much better team, a far better team, and I do think that their goaltending will, will ultimately kind of um, – be the reason that they kind of pull this out. And I think you're right. It's going to be a, a pretty interesting series because they might kind of bang around a lot, kind of a, a good old Western conference, uh, just banging around bodies and stuff like that. And probably not a ton of goals either, but I'm with you. I, like I said, I've got the predators. Um, I got the predators in six, Sonny, or I mean, uh, pause. So uh, Zuccarello is back and he is going to play and, 
um, you know, will be fully healthy or maybe not fully healthy, but he's healthy enough to, to give it a go and, uh, and be a, a positive influence rather than, um, you know, someone out there who would be a liability. Um, look, I, I'm very high on the, on the predators. Um, I, I understand their sort of shortcomings, but, and they're, you know, sort of kind of flopping in the playoffs when they're the number one seed and things like that. Um, I just think the West sort of sets up for them this year. And I think they will get through this series, this series in five. And um, I think they have a great chance to represent the West in the uh, Stanley Cup. But um, we'll get to those picks shortly, I assume. Yeah, I'm going Nashville in five also. And yeah, we'll get through where... They're going. All right, to the bottom. Last first-round game is the uh, Winnipeg Jets and the St. Louis Blues. The Blues are one of 2018-19's most compelling teams. After a summer of adding several talented forwards, St. Louis stumbled early. Doug, managed, Doug Armstrong fired the head coach after, uh, before Thanksgiving, and by January 2nd, the Blues had the NHL's worst record. Since then, St. Louis has accumulated more points, 65, than any other team, thanks to a burst of production from uh, Tarasenko, who the Rangers took Dylan Makarath instead, improved defensive structure, and breakout rookie goaltender Jordan Biggington. No matter how the offseason unfolds, interim coach likely already earned himself an extension going forward. The Jets, meanwhile, begin to flex their depth and talent in last season's long playoff run, and they brought back nearly the same exact roster. Even though they cruise at the top of the Central Division for most of the season and never seem to hit their full stride, a few reasons why the Jets were at the tops two defensemen, Dustin uh, by Fuglin, I think it is, something like that. By he's just ugly, by ugly, and Josh Morrissey for extended periods. And when and when uh, Finland sniper Patrick Lane was chasing Alex Ovechkin for the goal scoring title last season, the 20 year old had a harder time finding the net in 2018-19, scoring only 30. This team is a Stanley Cup favorite when it's clicking, but can it get together? Get it together right now, this time. The Jets trio of Mark Chiefly, I believe, I think something like that, Brake Wheeler and Kyle Connor have been consistently productive, scoring a combined 241 points this season. The Blues' top three, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, and Shea, Shea or Shen, hit 199 points total. Tarasenko took a bit to get going after off-season shoulder surgery, but now looks like as dangerous as he ever is, ever and always is. Shapley and O'Reilly are two of the league's elite two-way forwards. Defensively, the Jets are a tall physical team, and their defensive exemplify that. Uh, By Ugly is healthy and once again imposing his strength on anyone who gets in his way. Perhaps he'll be a GIF star again this spring. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he showed his sack. I don't know. Being without Morrissey would be a bummer. Vince Dung Dunn has progressed into a top defenseman for the Blues. Captain Alex Angelo didn't have his best season either, though. St. Louis, other blue liners are capable, but nothing special. Goaltending-wise, the Blues struck gold with the rookie, who went 24-5-1 with five shutouts. Oh, this is the guy I had in fantasy. This guy's no joke. He went 24-5-1 with five shutouts in 32 games, the league-leading 1.89 goals against average, and a .927 save percentage, giving him legit consideration for the Calder Trophy. The Blues can always call on Jake Allen also, who has 22 games of playoff experience as a backup if needed. 
last season, Connor Hellbuck, I guess, was in the Venza Trophy conversation, but the young American regressed a bit with a .913 save percentage and a 2.90 goals against average. He has playoff experience and has looked locked in lately to end the season. Sonny, uh, Blues, Jets. Yeah, I think this is going to be another uh, really fun series to watch. Um, I kind of feel like it's a tough draw for the Jets just because um, they do have – I think they have the edge and I'd say, raw talent up front, but um, they've had a lot of times throughout the season where they've gone, you know, two, three, handful of games where they just can't score. And the Jet, uh, the the Blues is the last team you want to be facing in a seven-game series if um, you're not going to be able to consistently keep off of um, offensive firepower. Um, the Blues defense still, though, they need to show up every game. I mean, they showed up all season, but like you said, Jordan Binnington was probably one of the best um, stories of the NHL this year. And like you said, with the coach getting fired, uh, the Blues had uh, they had teammates uh, fighting in practice, like literally dropping the gloves and fighting in practice. And you pretty much thought it was, you know, that was it for the season. But that was kind of like a huge turnaround for them. Um, new coach, uh, changed up a lot. I think after that, in like in practice fight, they went like on an eighteen and eighteen and six run or something like that. Um, uh, I think I think Winnipeg will still throw punches all series. Um, just like I said with Columbus, um, I think they're another team that they added. Um, I mean, they added Kevin Hayes from the Rangers. Um, I know they added another forward. I forget who, but they're another team that I think needed to really focus more on defense. Um, besides your your boy Bufflin, and um, I think they are getting Morrissey back for the playoffs, which is actually huge for them. Um, he was a stud all year, and he is probably like their best offensive defenseman. Um, but I mean, outside of them, they don't have much depth back there. Um, their special teams aren't that great. Connor Hellbuck is really good. Um, he had a really good season, and but I think. I think the story with Bennington, um, their their defense and their team overall is they're they're big. They tire you out. Um, I'm taking the Blues here in six. What do you think, Chris? Um, this is the one series that I really don't know a whole ton about, other than kind of just the stuff that I've read. These are two teams I didn't really um, take too much of a of a look into this season. I, I do know a lot about what the, about the blue stories because I know I'm around a lot of Buffalo Sabres fans and they were all pissed about how well uh, the blues were playing because that was going to be messing with the, the draft pick that they were getting in return for, um, for Ryan O'Reilly. But I, I do know that the, you know, like we said, the, the jets really struggled to score goals compared to what they did last year. And a lot of guys really underperformed, but um, I look at the way this Blues team has played. Uh, that, that was a good, actually a good point, Sonny, about with after the fight and everything. Um, and, and I think that the Blues just have so much depth on the back end, and, and, and the edge is definitely going to them in net. Hellebuck has not uh, – he was a runner-up for the Vesna last year, and he just has not been the same goalie by any stretch um, this season, I don't think at all. And I think that this Bennington kid has been pretty impressive. I know watching him play against the Penguins twice this year, and, and I was really kind of like, holy shit, who the hell is this, you know? Um, but 
I'm going to go – I'm going to go with the Blues in this series. I, I do think that it's going to go down to the wire, though. I, I'm going to go – you know, again, I'm going to be taking the – going with the road team here again to win it in game seven. But I think that, you know, they figure out a way to do it, and they kind of keep riding this wave and probably run into a brick wall in the second round. But I'm going to go with the uh, – I'm going to go with the Blues in, uh, in seven in the series against the Jets. Pause. Yeah, Blues in seven for me as well. I just like this story. Um, I think they, you know, as you, Rhino, as you said, they're the hottest team in baseball since January. Um, sorry, baseball. I just put the Yankee game on. Um, the hottest team in hockey since uh, since January. Um, you know, it's not like the team is has only been playing well the last month or so. They've basically been putting together four straight solid months. Um, so that's something you can really trust going into it, that they're going to continue playing well. Um, they're just on a really crazy hot streak right now. Um, and I think they're, ultimately their defense will be able to limit uh, Winnipeg enough on the defensive end, um, or sorry, limit Winnipeg's offense, um, and they'll be able to, you know, they'll end up winning this series. But, yeah, I, I really like Winnipeg. I kind of wish they didn't draw the Blues I wish they almost drew anybody else in the Western Conference other than the Blues, but um, I just think this is a bad matchup for them. But uh, it'll still be a fun, entertaining series. I will go Blues in seven. Uh, Yeah, I'm like on the same boat as everybody. I will never go against my main man, Tarasenko, and my fantasy hockey goalie who put me in contention all season. So Blues in seven for me. Uh, Stanley Cup picks. I have I did my entire bracket race, so I'll throw out. I'm going to go Tampa Bay over Washington in six, and Predators over Flames in six, and then I'm going to go Stanley Cup, Tampa Bay over the Predators in six also. So for Rhino, Eastern, Tampa Bay over Washington in six, Predators over Flames in six, Tampa Bay over Predators, Stanley Cup, and six, Tampa Bay Lightning, obviously, Stanley Cup winners. Uh, Sonny, Chris, pause. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope we don't all have the same pick besides maybe Chris, but um, I have Tampa Bay. I mean, it almost sounds too easy, uh, but I think Tampa Bay is just way, way, way too talented um, offensively, defensively, in the net. Um, their coach – Special teams, I mean, name it. They have it. They have the experience. Um, they have they have depth on their bench that like more that teams don't even have in their starting lineup, um, which is just huge in the playoffs. You know, bearing if someone runs into injuries. Um, I haven't filled out a bracket yet, um, but um, I know you guys have my first round picks. But I think I think. Tampa Bay versus the San Jose Sharks actually are going to step it up. They're going to figure everything out. Carlson's back for them. He was out for the last like 17 games. Um, they another team that just has too much, too much offensive talent, too many leaders. Um, like I said, the West was just dog shit all year. Um, the, the Sharks continue to show up. They kind of the last like month and a half of the season, they were absolutely terrible. And that, goes back to what everyone said about Martin Jones. Um, but Martin Jones actually has pretty good playoff numbers. So I'm going to say Sharks versus Tampa in the Stanley Cup. And 
Tampa wins in six. What do you think, Chris? So I'll start on the West. Um, I, um, I I like the uh, I do like the Predators, and as much as I want to pick the Knights to to beat Calgary, I think that I think eventually the Knights just kind of uh, sputter out, and they just aren't scoring enough goals. So my Western Conference final would end up being um, Nashville and Calgary, and I just don't think that Canada still figures it out. And I think um, I, I would be taking the Preds, the Preds in six games to go uh, represent the Western Conference. And in the East, um, I had my second round matchups as uh, Tampa Bay and Boston, Pittsburgh and Washington. Uh, I, I'm going to go against the grain here. I, there's something about this Boston team. Uh, they, they haven't been here in a little bit. And I think they, they figure it out and they, they the woes kind of continue a little bit. Um, for Tampa Bay, and, and they just run into a really, really good Boston team. And I've got Boston beating Tampa Bay, and then uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, Boston, Tampa Bay in um, seven games, and Pittsburgh, Washington. Um, call it what you will, but I, I, you know, Washington's only beat them once in what is it, like ten playoff series or something like that. And granted, it was last year. I don't think Washington uh, repeats. I just, I just don't see it happening. Um, I've got, I would have Pittsburgh beating Washington um, and in it pretty easily this time too. I would say six games that Pittsburgh figures out, figures out a way to win it in six games. Um, Pittsburgh, Boston, the Eastern conference final. And uh, as much as I don't want to do it, I'm going to pick Pittsburgh in the, in the, in the Eastern conference final. Dude, too. Come um, on, dude. Come on. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Gross. Dude, Unreal. Guys, I'm going to do it. Come on, I'm going to do it. Look, this is, this is the final ring. This is the final ring that this team's going to get. And this is going to be it. This is the run right here. And they're going to, they're going to be up against uh, Nashville again. And they're going to beat Nashville in five games. I can't wait to take your money in this. You're good. So you have who pit over <laughs> the predators and what is this? Well, I have Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh over Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. And then I have, uh, and then I have Pittsburgh over Nashville in a repeat of the twenty, uh, the twenty sixteen. <laughs> All right, and, that, and like they're going to do they're what? Gonna what are they going to? They're going to sweep them. Let me guess, right? They'll do it. They'll do. I said. No, they're going to. They're going to win it in five. three they'll games. They'll do it in six. They'll do it. Well, they could win it too <laughs> if they change the rules already. But they'll do it in six. They'll beat the Predators in six. Oh um, my another, god. Another, because you know why they'll have to do it in six because they don't win championships at home, so they'll have to do it on the road. So that makes sense. That's uh, um, all right. I'll just continue to pick up points uh, against you as the rounds go by. It's fine. Um, <laughs> all right, pause. Go ahead, bud. All right. Um, so, Chris, you you sort of stole my thunder a little bit. Uh, I have Boston beating the Lightning in seven games as well. Um, Look, I hate the Bruins um, almost as much as I hate the Penguins, but I there's just something about this Bruins team. I don't know. Uh, I just think they're sort of destined to to win the title this year, and also in terms of you know the the futility of Presidents Trophy winners continuing. Uh, I think that absolutely continues to happen, and uh, so I got Boston beating Tampa Bay in seven. I have the Islanders beating the Capitals in seven. Um, And then I have obviously the Bruins beating the Islanders in five, getting to the Stanley Cup finals. Then I have the Predators defeating the Blues in five. And I have the Flames beating the Sharks in seven. 
and then I will have the Predators beating the Flames in six, and I will have the Bruins beating the Predators in five. All right. All right, so what we'll do is I will um, I'll get all our brackets up, just like I did for the Bull Confidence Pool, the March Madness Pool. I'll post them up for everybody so that, you know, you kind of see our competition. Uh, we'll probably, I don't know, side wager this in some way, especially now that Chris took Pittsburgh. I definitely want to steal his money, so we'll get that done. Um, and then we'll, I mean, obviously we'll come back on. We'll get Chris back on and Sonny back up for, uh, you know, NHL is one of the few smart or few sports that actually use their brain and sticks to a set schedule instead of, you know, you got the NBA and you have, you know, two series that are somehow in the semifinals and some that are still in the first round and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. So we'll be able to, you know, come on like we did today, the day before everything gets going or, you know, the two days before everything gets going instead of, you know, trying to talk about the semifinals and first round games at the same exact time. Neither here nor there. Um, yeah, so I think we'll wrap it up there. I don't really want to uh, uh, bash Coach K or how bad Brian Cashman is for the last 19 minutes here, and I could use some rest. So uh, we'll cut it there. Nice little NHL show. Um, give us a follow, Uncut Sports Talk, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all these are ripped back. All these live shows are ripped back in the podcast, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, iTunes Podcast. Um, at Uncut Sports Talk, and you go to Blog Talk Radio to get on there. Anybody want to add or say anything or have a story or anything before I cut us off? I'm going to talk. I just hope, yeah. I just hope uh, yeah. Dustin Bifugly uh, somehow bi- contacts our show. and uh, Bi-ugly. Like, no, it's like bisexual and ugly, so it's bi-ugly, not fugly. Bi-ugly. He's bi uh, and ugly. My bad. Bi-ugly. Hey, do, do, do me a favor, yeah, the most concerning thing about about this whole entire show is that my two most hated players and and ev- any every single sport on the same team and I haven't gone to the Stanley Cup final so it's real unfortunate. But you know, do me a favor and talk to your friends about uh, the fantasy ba- baseball rules that they seem to have forgotten after twenty well, years. That'd be nice. Listen, I get I, I just I just was on the phone with two of our players right before we got on the show. I got a text at seven twenty in the morning, seven twenty three about this nonsense. And then you. The last thing I want to do is listen to a a friggin' fart that blows me off the sidewalk and deal with Michael Dengelini on Fantasy Baseball at the same time. Uh, I understand. I don't got time, man. I don't got time. That's why why I have you as a co-commish. I got no time. All right. Anything else anybody wants to add? Uh, Real quick, I just want to. Have a great rest of the week, gentlemen. Yes. Yes, go ahead, Ben. I just wanted to uh, congratulate Chris on the uh, pretty dominating in our NHL Fantasy League win. Yeah, it um, really was. I thought Thank I you. thought Thank I you. knew hockey until uh, I didn't really check. I wasn't checking the standings throughout the whole season. Um, I kind of had an idea where I was. And then one day I just was talking to another kid in the league. And then I looked at your stats and your players and, like, your the additions you made. And um, I think the NHL Network would be more than uh, lucky to have you on on one of their shows there. Sonny, Congratulations. Sonny, quick, real quick credit, here, Sonny. Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Don't even try to <laughs> no, take okay, full right, credit. Right. So Let's be honest here. here. Tell Sonny the real deal. I was unable to make the draft. All right, hold on. Full disclosure. I was unable to make the draft. I had Rhino do it. He clearly tried to derail the shit out of my team. 
and then I had to swoop in and clean up whatever the hell it was that he was doing. I think he called it drafting, but I don't really know what he was Uh actually doing. And so Uh that kind of helped me, you know, Uh get to where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. Sonny, whenever you have five minutes, dude, if you get like a rainy day or something, you don't have to go in. I want you to tell me how many accusations he actually made compared to the guys I drafted. And then we could could rekindle Uh, about this. I did that math already. It was exactly 50-50. It was 50-50. 50-50. Mm. All yeah, right. I, looked, I did the math on it. It was exactly okay. 50-50. So it can't take full credit, half credit. Exactly right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Oh, how's the house, man? Right. Hey, we're, I'm filling it with paint right now, and, and, and we're getting there. I've been there for about – I've been here for uh, going on two weeks now, and, and it's, uh, it's coming along. It's coming along. It's the worst part. I'd rather move friggin' seventy-five fish tanks in my house than paint the whole thing. Oh, hey, that's it's been it's been a bitch. That's, I took I took tonight off to do this instead. I was like, you know, now I'm doing this with these guys instead of instead of fucking painting tonight. That's for sure. <laughs> that's good, man. Sonny, who are we uh, taking with this second pick? Um. You know what's real funny, actually? My... Exactly exactly what we talked about at softball on Sunday is exactly what happened. Yeah, well, we the, were talking the about the That we were talking about, yeah, how then, ridiculous it is that all those percentages are grouped yeah. into one thing and the low percentages always come out on top. It was Colorado's, what, 18.3, right? And then the Devils and Rangers were like 12 and 7 or something? I mean, Yeah, the Rangers had like no a 7.5% chance or something like that. Ridiculous. <laughs> It's really, it's just insane. It's the dumbest thing of all time. How can you possibly try and improve a league, or how can you tell it? To, I get you don't want a team to tank, but then group three teams together. Don't group friggin' 15, 16 teams together. That there, there, there's a potential right now based on how the next three days play on the NBA that a 30 win team is part of the lot, is part of the you know balls that go in there. How's that possible? How can you put a 12 win team and 30 win team <laughs> in some type of statistical same hat, like you know, or whatever? Same, the, I don't know. I don't know where they ended up like finishing, like in the overall um, in the NHL, but yeah. um, the Blackhawks missed the playoffs by like like four points or something, like six points, and like obviously Colorado only got that. I think they ended up getting the fourth pick overall because of the Ottawa trade. But I'm saying right. like Chicago was almost in the playoffs too, and they're picking third. So how how good is this kid that everybody's posting about now? Um, yeah, like, is he, like, good because there's nobody else in there, or are we talking, like, Crosby, McDavid types, or, or, or like, what's um, the deal? No, nah, I mean, he's definitely, somebody said it before, I wasn't sure who said it, it is a pretty deep draft, actually, um, but definitely not, like, he's not going to be, like, a, you know, drafted starting game one, um, mm-hmm. maybe on the Rangers, but the only thing I don't like about him is I watched a lot of the, um, like the world juniors and stuff. He's really small, dude. He's like, I'm pretty sure he's like 170 pounds and he's a center. So that might not transition too great in the NHL. Um, he's definitely fast. He's got real, real smooth hands. Um, his hockey IQ is up there with some of the best. Um, but there's also that kid, which I, I would love for you to try to read his name, but you say, no, it's I'm Capo, not even trying. <laughs> Capo Caco. Um, he's he's a winger, I believe, uh, but he's a lot bigger. He's closer to 200 pounds. Um, it's kind of probably going to be interesting um, to see who the Devils take at one. And then I would assume um, 
my best bet would be, you know, whoever the Devils take, the Rangers take the other. Um, besides that, um, I know there's it's real, real, real forward heavy in the top, like, three, four picks. So, at least – and the Rangers do need a center. Um, I mean, Miko Zibanejad finally grew a pair and stepped up. DJZ bad for us, but um, – Yeah, man. Besides, besides that, um, like I said, what Hughes' um, size is the only thing that worries me. I mean, I'd still – I think just pure talent alone, I would definitely take him at two still if the Devils decide to take Kako at one. He's going to have a lot of time to, uh, another year to make a lot of good music this year, man. Oh, yeah. A lot of extra time. I, we, I can't believe we didn't get our uh, our, our main player on here. Or, or I should say our player from the state of Maine without using his name. Yeah. I know. Maybe we should have got, should have got uh, five minutes of uh, his nonsense. Yeah, for the second round, we'll get him on here. Yeah, he's he's in the all season now. So um, when we do our uh, our second round uh, predictions and whatnot, uh, we could definitely get him on here. Just no bird call or whatever war cry. War or cry. They call it. You war crying. Out of control. <laughs> all right. Pause. Anything? You're super silent, dude. Nah, man. I, I'm just listening to the uh, the fun banter going back and forth. Nah, I don't, I don't have anything else. Gibbet, uh, Sonny can tell you firsthand here that I haven't lost any of my uh, my uh, talents in the uh, in the diamond. You did, you did though, miss with your Hoboken hangover four diving plays I had on Sunday. Maybe your brother told you about them. Yeah, I. Uh... Was not well Sunday morning, even after I told you guys that I was still gonna come. No, I knew um, you weren't gonna make. But no. Oh shit! I, I shat, dude. I shattered the Z though. No. The bat. Yeah, dude, it's all shattered, and come I can't on. send it back because it's past the warranty. I don't know what happened. It had to happen Saturday. I picked it up on Sunday. I had a I had a line drive, and then I looked at it, and the whole outside shattered. So I don't know what happened. So maybe that's why I was to, uh, struggling a little bit. No, I'm kidding. Gonna, but uh. Yeah. No, for sure, from Saturday, um, you know, Rhino, of course, offensive and defensive. Um, and I asked you what, like, late late the night before. If you, you, asked me the nine, you, just, you asked me 9-10 on, uh, on Friday night if I'd play. Yeah. And the kid came out just roping balls, diving, making plays like usual. It was real good. Real fun time. Uh, it really was. Uh, Saturday night, dude, uh, big uh, world tournament championship. And you're right there next to Hoboken. You can hop on a little shuttle, man. Start the party early and then uh, uh, get your drink on after. No, uh, I need to take a break from there. Your uh, your buddy, your uh, brother got clearance. For tournament? Yeah, no, no <laughs> shot. Come. No, he got, I'm, I'm yeah, serious, no, he uh, got clearance already. You still don't think he's going to show? Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. No, no we'll shot. We'll see. He they they came to some agreement. Oh. He had to cut four extra lawns, and uh, she had to get her report cards done. And we're all good. To, he's good to go. He called today. Actually, I oh. I missed his call, but he texted me. I'll go with the the old line. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Oh man, that's gonna be. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I need to find some time to handicap. Holy shit! Got got me just <laughs> hanging around. Too much too much farting going on. Fucking clouding my brain here. <laughs> Uh, all right. I got nothing else. Uh, all right. So we'll wrap it up there, man. And, uh, listen, do you like what we do? Give us a follow. We'll come back Thursday. Uh, I'll rip Brian Cashman to shreds. I'll talk to coach K. I'm very upset with him still. Trey Jones returning. 
Lou Severino pushback. So a lot of good shit. There's a lot of good stories going around with Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, all that good shit. So we'll come back on Thursday with just a whole bunch of bullshit. And, um, you know, that's what we like to do, bullshit. But we're back in action. 10-day I hate us. I just couldn't couldn't do sports anymore. And, um, oh, yeah, some of the conspiracies going on with the basketball and the rest and stuff. So be a lot of good shit Thursday. We'll be back. That's uh, April 11th, and we'll do the regular 8 to 10 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we give thanks to co-host and guest co-host. They've been both before, Chris and Sonny. We appreciate having them on, getting their, their plethora of NHL knowledge. Uh, and as always, from your host, Rhino, and co-host, uh, Paz, we thank you, and we'll see you on Thursday, April 11th, 2019, 8 to 10 Eastern Standard Time. Later. <laughs>